Good evening. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and love. We thank you for the time of just, Father, hearing your worship. And, Father, just the word from those who have uh, come to know you. We pray you speak to our hearts as we look to your word. And, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. The message entitled is the day of wrath. Um, you know, the unbeliever mocks at the concept of a rapture. And that there's going to be a time of tribulation, great tribulation. And, and they think that we make this up, that we just want to scare people out of hell or scare the hell out of people. But that, that's, not, that, that's not really the thing. You can't, I wish you could do that, but you can't do that. You're convicted into heaven. All the people in hell this evening, none of them are unbelievers. They all believe. But it's too late. Paul the Apostle talks about the day of the Lord here and the tragic character of that day and how it will affect the unbeliever. So I want to talk with you about this topic as it says here. Listen to verse 3. For when they see peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Three things we see here. First, the day will be characterized by deceit. Second, the day will be characterized by doom. And third, the day will be characterized by damnation. Deceit, doom, and damnation. For the unbeliever who goes into the tribulation, or people who have not walked with God and remain, okay? Those who will go through the seven-year tribulation, this is what he's talking about. He's talking to the church and giving them very specific things. Notice first here, the day will be characterized by deceit. For when they say peace and safety, the key individual will be the false Messiah during this period, who will appear as a man of peace. He is Antichrist. We spoke about him uh, this morning in great detail. The spirit of Antichrist has already been in the world, has been from the beginning, but he will finalize in a man himself. He will appear at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation after the church is removed, and then Israel will make a one-week covenant with him, Daniel 9.27 tells us. Now we know that right now things are hot in Israel. Anything can happen anytime. The Persian Gulf is hot. The Middle East is on fire. Spain, Portugal, demonstrations all this week, even this morning. He will appear as a man of peace with a bow, but no arrows in Revelation 6.2. He will conquer through diplomacy. Today we're in the age of, 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 of those who can speak eloquently, a silver tongue, and, and they think they can cool everything down. But the problem is that there is no integrity or honesty today from the highest office on down. And so everything's relative. Everything is subjective. There's no right, there's no wrong. You fill in the blank. He will be an intellectual genius, we're told. He will speak great things, pompous words, proud, arrogantly. He will be a political wizard. He'll solve all the problems that we have economically. Commercially, he's going to be a giant. 
He's going to be a brain when it comes to military genius uh, outlay and everything. He will be the head of the governmental authorities of the world. One man, one world, one bank. He will be a religious movement in himself. He will build the temple for the Jews. He will walk in at the end of three and a half years. He will declare himself God and he will demand that everybody worship him. And that everybody take a mark on the right hand of the forehead. You can't buy, you can't sell. And without it, you will be put to death. So if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, take notes. You're going to need them. Because you will be there to see him. The agent will be a false prophet who will appear with the Antichrist. Revelation 13 tells us that. Just like Jesus had a forerunner, John the Baptist, the Antichrist will have a PR man, the false prophet. He is the second beast coming out of the earth. He has two horns. He promotes the Antichrist. He's equal in authority. He can bring down fire from heaven. He'll do miracles just like the Antichrist. He sees the world, those dwellers on the earth, and he will grant power for the image to speak. They work as a couple. False prophet, Antichrist. The institution of that mark on the right hand of the forehead will be not only just to buy or sell. But in fact, the Bible says it is the mark of ownership. Whoever receives the mark of the beast will be damned. There's no way you can repent. You have to be killed for your faith. And by the way, as beheadment. It's interesting because that's the way Islam puts people to death. The infidel. And we know that the five nations are going to be in confederacy with Russia, Gog and Magog, to attack Israel are all Islamic today. In two more years, three more years, half of the Russian army will be Islamic. How interesting. We never could have seen this 10, 15 years ago. Now the lens is getting clearer. The channel will be the false church who will be one with the Antichrist. Revelation 17 tells us that. She's identified as the harlot, the great mother of harlots. She's not only evil in herself, she's not only the counterfeit church, but she reproduces herself in kind and produces many just like her. She's one with the beast. She, with the ten nations, confederacy, will give rise to the beast. He will turn and destroy her. He will allow no competition for worship. He'll declare himself God. And he will demand that worship from everybody. Now we as Americans have been fortunate enough to live in a country where we have liberty and freedom. But that liberty and freedom is soon and very quickly slipping through our fingers at the present administration and the way the world is going. And no one knows how horrible socialism is, Marxism or communism, until they live in it. The promises seem to be good. They promise you everything. But once other people's money runs out, then that's the problem. It's like a 
jar of cookies, guys. There's only so many cookies in that jar. Once they're gone, all you have is crumbs. Okay? And whoever promises you something for nothing, they're going to get a lot more first. And if there's not enough for you and for them, they're going to have the first. That's just the way it is. And so you have deceit, dishonesty, that is going to flourish during the seven years. Great deception, the first three and a half years. It's called the abomination of desolation, spoken by Daniel the prophet. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 24, 15. That's when he enters the temple and declares himself to be God. Now you know there's a temple institute in Jerusalem that is ready to build a temple. They have the artifacts, they have the furnishings, they have everything else. But that's the temple of the Antichrist. Not the temple that is of Jesus Christ. When a young lady is deceived by a man and seduced sexually, it's a gradual advance promising his love, promising devotion, because simply he wants to conquer. And once the conquest is done, he goes away and he puts a notch on his belt. And the woman realizes, how could I have been so stupid? That's why it's called deception. Because people promise something that they're really not willing to give. But they have a hook at the end of that promise for themselves. This is the Antichrist. Look at the amount of deception that's going on in our day in preparation for the Antichrist. And I'm talking, let's just say, spiritual deception that's going on. There's a New Age movement that is embraced by all of America. And they think that it's neat to mess with crystals, with chandlers, and everything else because it gives them empowerment and they can seek for themselves, you know, success and all of that. But behind that is demons. Yoga. Behind that is a demon. TM. Contemplative prayer that is taught by the emergent church. Demons. New Age is nothing but Hinduism revived in Western clothing. Look at the religious movements of ecumenicalism. Where everybody wants to just get along and love. Let's not make any judgment. Let's not fight about doctrine. Let's just love one another. Do you realize where that will end up? I'm going to look out for myself. Because I love me more than you. And I'll love you as long as I can love me first. You understand? That's the way our heart is. The only pure love is the love of Jesus Christ. But that keeps me on track because of doctrine. By studying the word. The Holy Spirit can convict me. Transform me. Change me. So I can live above my sin nature. So I can be a servant and a brother to you as a brother or sister. Or reach out to you if you're a non-believer. So I can tell you about Christ. And show you by my life what Christ can do. Not simply by my words. Look at the social and political deception that has gone on in our nation for years, decades. Think back of the highest office where President Clinton lied to the nation. China argue about what is the definition of sex on national TV. The highest office of the land. 
What he did is he told the whole nation in the world, it's okay to lie. It's okay to be a rat. And the American public said, you can have a pass. The American people should have cried out to impeach him. But we're like the frog in the kettle. We go along with things. But we don't realize is we're dinner. <laughs> the entire climate of our nation, our educational system is tolerance. Don't make waves. Work with the system. And so people are indoctrinated, especially you young people. You're in school, you hear it. If you make a judgment that's objective, right or wrong, you'll be called a bigot. And you've got to stand for truth. You've got to be a person of character. If not, you'll become just like them. Now, you can't do it in yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the Word of God. You need to have your mind, your heart transformed by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God. So the day will be characterized by deceit. If you think things are bad now, during those seven years, it's going to be horrible. Jesus says it would be better that you die than you live in those days. Now notice next, the day will be characterized by doom. Then sudden destruction should come upon them as uh, labor pains upon a pregnant woman. This is a metaphor that is used throughout the Old Testament. Uh, time of trouble, the day of the Lord, doom, gloom, uh, darkness. Uh, it's God's judgment. The judgment first comes in the series of seven seals in, in Revelation chapter 6. They are progressive. They are more intense. Um, there's great destruction that takes place. A fourth of the population dies at one point. Um, if you take the um, population today, that's a, about a million and a half people, people, billion people. By the year 2000, take a portion of that. It's going to be horrible. There's going to be pestilence, there are earthquakes, there's all kinds of things that are going on there. Then you have the seven seal judgment that comes on in chapter 8 to 9. And they're progressive, they're more intense. And this is God's wrath directly from heaven. This is not natural consequences. In fact, Peter, when he preached on the day of Pentecost, he quoted Joel. He says, in the last days, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and fire and brimstone and fires, and the stars will fall, so on and so forth. And he went all the way through in the day of Pentecost and said, this is fulfilled. But not all of it was fulfilled. Because that goes for the end of the tribulation period, the seven years. That is still yet to happen. But yet he quoted it and believed it was going to happen. Then you have a seven trumpet judgment that follows. Bold judgments. They come out from it. One after the other. Again, progressive, intense. One after the other. Now, there are those who teach today that the book of Revelation is fulfilled. They're called preterists, a big old word. And that this was fulfilled in the first century. Well, that's interesting. When you look at the book of Revelation, it's the only book in the Bible that promises you a blessing if you read it. And the warning consistently through it is, I am coming quickly. 
Look for me. And he warns of the wrath from heaven. So you have to make a choice whether you believe men who are sinners, even though they may be Christians by word, when they say the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled, or believe the words of Jesus Christ. The choice is yours. It will affect your eternity, not mine. You have to make your choice. And so the judgments are severe warnings, stern warnings. You know, there have been many catastrophic things that happen at times, avalanches, floods, horrible earthquakes, where literally hundreds of thousands may die. And they come upon them suddenly, unable to escape. And there's mass death. Such will happen during the tribulation period to those who give allegiance to the Antichrist. There will be no escape at all. Are you a Christian? If you are, then you should be warning others about the coming wrath of God. If you really believe it. If you're not warning, you probably don't believe it. Or you're very selfish, one of the two. When I first got born again in 73, I was 23 years old. And when I find out that I was a sinner and that God was coming, and there was this horrible time to come, all we did, me and my friends, we filled up, everybody had vans back then. We filled up our vans and took them to Christian concerts to get them saved. We went back to our high schools and started sharing the Lord. And God began to do a work. I believe that message. I believe it more now than ever before. So if you believe the message, you will never be the same. If you say you're a Christian and you're just going on like nothing and you're living your life and not warning or preaching the gospel, something is definitely wrong. You really don't believe the gospel. You really don't believe Jesus is coming. You should be praying that God would open doors. Pray for your friends, your loved ones. Some of your families aren't saved. Your brothers and sisters, your father, your mother, your aunts. Some of the people you work with. Some of your friends at school. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ. Then God has brought you here. It's no coincidence. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. But today. Jesus would have you know that he loves you so much that he being God became man to die on the cross in your place to pay the price for your sin. And then he was placed in the tomb and three days later he rose from the dead to confirm that the payment was made and he was raised in a glorified body as evidence of those who will follow him who believe and repent. Of their sins. You can be born again tonight. Before I finish or at the end. I'm going to give you an opportunity. To open your heart to the Lord. 
to ask Him to come in your heart. And if you mean it, and if you believe it is by the grace of God, and He will change you, He'll transform you. And you will never be the same. The day will be characterized by doom. You don't want to be here. You really don't. Notice thirdly, the day will be characterized by damnation. And they shall not escape. Those who have accepted the mark of the beast will drink of God's wrath in full strength. Revelation 14, 9 through 13 says, There is no turning back. There is no removing it. There is no repenting. It's very clear, the wrath of God. Those who are at Armageddon to fight against Jesus will be destroyed. Revelation 19 gives you the whole scenario. You want a preview? Look at Psalm 2. God will destroy the armies of the world. It is a posture of rebellion against God. It is a powerful intent to stop Jesus from setting up his kingdom. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31 says. The false prophet, the beast, are cast in the lake of fire, as you know, in Revelation 19.20. The interesting thing is that the lake of fire was made for no one but Satan and his angels. Matthew 25.41 says. That's who the lake of fire was made for. Gehenna is the same place. The lake of fire is a place, listen to me, of eternal torment. Day and night. Very clear, the book of Revelation says. So when somebody tells you that when you die, you just cease to exist, call annihilation. They're liars. By the way, Jesus runs hell, not Satan. It's a place of punishment, not a place of reward for good things. And they're tormented. Day and night in the presence of his holy angels, the book of Revelation says. So when you tell people, it's not to scare them, it's to inform them and warn them about a literal place they will spend eternity. There is no second opportunity after death. The devil is bound there for a thousand years. He is loose at the end, leads the last rebellion in the millennial kingdom, and then he is cast to the lake of fire. He is the one who deceived the nations. He is under God's control. God created him. He sets the boundaries. He allows a certain things for him to do. He is not more powerful than God. He will spend all of eternity in the lake of fire also. The unbeliever will be judged at the end of the thousand years of the white throne judgment in Acts in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. This is called the second death. You die physically, then spiritual death, eternally. There is no second opportunity. And again, the torment is said to be in the presence of his holy angels. Revelation 14, 10 through 11. And chapter 20, verse 10. Now you have to believe the words of Jesus or call him a liar. If you water down hell, then you are really an enemy of God. 
if you don't want to share about hell. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven in his ministry. Because hell is a real place and he came to warn people that they did not end up there. Jesus did not think he could scare people out of hell or going to hell. Jesus knew the only way you can escape hell is by being convicted of your sin, convinced of the Lord that you need a Savior. And if you in faith call upon Him, He will do exactly that. And He will forgive you of all your sins. He will make you whiter than snow. He will cast your sins as far as east as the west. And He will make you a child of God by grace through faith. That's His promise to you. There is clearly consciousness and awareness after death. There's also regret. Jesus pointed this out in Luke 16. As the rich man died. And asked that he might be cool with some water. That somebody might be sent back and warn his brothers. The place of torment. He remembered. But nothing could be done about it. Remember back, you who are Christians, of all your guilt and shame and regret that Jesus cleansed you from. Think, what if you never would have repented? But think worse, what if you could not repent? You cross that line. That's what will happen to those who die without Jesus Christ. Never able to repent. It's a horrible thought. That's why we need to live as Christians and to preach and to pray for those who don't know Christ. That we might be able to share the love of Christ with them. The church of Sardis, the dead church. He said, remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore... If you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Revelation 3, 2. You're to watch. Pray. That you be worthy to stand before the Son of Man and escape all these things. Luke 21 tells you that. Reliably, the Bible tells us that there will be different levels of punishment in eternity. Many people think it's a joke. Luke 12, 48 tells us that. If there are levels of reward in heaven, there has to be levels of punishment in hell. For God is not going to punish one who's a liar equally to one who's a murderer. Even you would not do that, being sinful as you are and as imperfect as you are. So as there are levels of reward in heaven, there will be levels of punishment in hell. Now God loves us so much that he gives us this information that we might know and be able to communicate to others when they ask us questions. Soundly, there will be no such thing as annihilation. The teaching that a person ceases to exist. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment. 
Second Peter 3, 10 put it this way. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now Peter runs us through the whole thousand years. When he says this, the day of the Lord speaks of the tribulation period, but he runs through the thousand years after the white throne judgment, and it's after the white throne judgment that everything will be redone and we enter the eternal kingdom. But he doesn't separate. He runs it all through. I'm looking for the new heaven, the new earth. But before I get there, I'm looking for Jesus Christ to take me up in the air and transform me and to remove me from the day of wrath that is coming. The day will be characterized by damnation. I hope you're not left behind. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you will be there unless you repent before he comes. The tragic character of the day of the Lord will be marked by deceit, doom, and damnation. If you don't know Jesus, we plead with you to repent. We pray that you repent. But only you can repent. Father, thank you for your grace and your love. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that you just minister to our hearts. And, Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, you speak to their hearts, Lord. We lift them to you. Thank you for them, Lord, and we pray that they would call on your name. As you're praying, if you're here tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to repent, to be saved. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens that door and opens it, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. It's an invitation to, to eat. The closest thing you could do in those days. If you don't know Jesus Christ and you see yourself as a sinner, that's by the grace of God. If you see Jesus as the Savior of the world, the one who can forgive you, that's also the grace of God. The way you get saved is by repenting, by asking Him to forgive you. This is the prayer of repentance. Right where you sit, if you want to be born again, you can say this prayer to the Lord. And He will save you. And afterwards, we just want to give you a Bible absolutely free. And you'll be free to leave. If you're over the internet, the same thing with you. This is your prayer to the Lord. You can repeat after me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you made that decision, we want to welcome you to the family. There's a brother up here to my right, your left.